0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with fire, with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So directly after this service, I really encourage you to go here, Amanda McMillan. She's going to be in adult ed downstairs. You can get some coffee on the way. She's been going to be talking about um, theologian Fleming Rutledge's book, Advent, The Once and Future Coming of Jesus Christ. Because it's been so helpful to her and I in just better understanding this church season as we've been doing our women's Bible study. And despite being in church since birth and basically living in church with my children as a Sunday school teacher and going to seminary midlife, I really didn't understand the season of Advent until I read Fleming's book. So my Advent experience before that was one of really just waking up my children to open up another little door on the little Advent calendar as we waited for Christmas. So Advent just seemed like a little bit more spiritual way of waiting for Christ's birth for Christmas Day. Every morning when we opened one more little flap, the kids got more and more excited. I got more and more anxious, knowing that that was one less day to buy presents and get ready and prepare, right? So much for being spiritual about that. Um, And I had heard sermons in my life about getting my heart ready for the Christ child. But I didn't really know what that meant, and I didn't really know if I could ask anybody. Did the Christ child need to be welcomed every year like a new tenant in need of a clean room? Um, Did getting ready for Christ mean giving more to the bell ringers or maybe just giving more money away, not buying as many presents, being a nicer person to people? What did it mean? I thought it had something to do with cleaning up so Christ would have a clean moral heart to sleep in once again. But then in January, I got my room back until the next December, right, of my home, of my heart. But what I've learned is that Advent is about God's preparation, just like Amy was talking about in the children's sermon. It's not about our preparation. In the book, No Country for Old Men, Sheriff Bell says that God wouldn't be God if he didn't choose the manner and timing of his own coming. So this is the core of the hope of Advent, that God has chosen the manner and timing of his own coming. And according to Fleming Rutledge, we celebrate actually three advents, the manner and timing of which is God's intervention into the world. The first one is the incarnation of Christ as his birth, as our Messiah. The second, however, is the presence of Christ in the word and sacrament, to be here with us, our Emmanuel. And the second is the second coming of Christ in glory to be our judge on the last day, which is what we talk about during this period of Advent also. She writes that Advent, in Advent, the emphasis is on the agency of God. As contrasted with the works of human beings, an exclusive emphasis on Advent is, as a season of preparation risks putting human endeavor in the spotlight. So you can also hear that there's a past, present, and future aspect to her discussion of Advent. The world was waiting for the Messiah, who was born and resurrected and forgave our sins. As we say in our liturgy every week, we are living in this mystery of Advent faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. But then we wonder, when will he come again? And what do we do in the meantime? Carl Barth, um, who's also a theologian, says, What other time or season can or will the church ever have but that of Advent? Waiting for the second coming of Christ. So waiting in Advent is very different from waiting in the checkout line or in traffic. Waiting in Advent is facing the darkness of the world, knowing, as it tells us in Isaiah 9, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Christ, the light of the world, was born into darkness. And Advent hope is the light of Christ in that darkness. So Advent has an element of expectancy that waiting at Walmart to buy all of your presents doesn't. It is the promise of divine intervention into a dark world. I've experienced this light of hope many times on pastoral care visits, waiting with the family for a test to come back, or maybe for a loved one who's in hospice in great pain to die, facing darkness with expectancy. It can also be the time when you're waiting to grow up, or waiting for your house to sell, or waiting for your wedding, waiting for a baby to be born, waiting for your spouse to come home. Waiting for the day when the chemo ends. Waiting for love. Waiting for a new life to begin. So the most distressing everyday waiting I have found, however, is laying in bed waiting to get to sleep. Uh, Most often happens between Thanksgiving and Christmas, at least for me and other people I talk to in the congregation, because our need for hope keeps us up at night. Maybe because we're all drinking too many gingerbread lattes. But most probably because we are worried that despite our best efforts, all will not be as the Christmas carols promise. The stockings may not be hung with care. The Norman Rockwell dinner may be burned. The Christmas card may be sent closer to New Year's. Relatives will annoy us. Our bank account will shrink. Somebody might be sick. And we have to get to sleep to deal with all of it. We believe that if we only manage well, our life will be merry and bright. But the difference between Advent's hopeful expectancy and holiday expectations is that true hope comes from outside of ourselves. But expectations live in our heart's hall of judgment. Expectancy becomes expectations of ourselves and others when we judge our holiday performance as imperfect and that we believe that we need to be perfect in order to be loved. Where does our real hope come from? The hope that is expectant. So the Romans text today tells us whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness, And by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. God, in his great mercy, has given us scripture and sacrament to be our light of hope in the darkness, as Fleming describes as the second advent. Martin Luther said as this very text, here Paul attributes to Holy Scripture the function of comforting. Who may dare to seek or ask for comfort anywhere else? The Holy Spirit himself and God, the creator of all things, is the author of this book. Luther also declares that the Bible is the cradle where Christ is laid, letting us look upon him and get to know him. So think of what life would be like without the presence of Christ in Scripture to dispel fear and darkness. A woman I spoke with this week thinks of Scripture as her life preserver in the choppy seas of fear. Scripture is so ubiquitous that we've come to think of it as a basic right. You can find a Bible in most nightstands in the nation's hotels, thanks to the Gideons. But Scripture is not just words on a page. It has the power to transform and to enliven. As God told Isaiah, the words that come out of my mouth will not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. The first chapter of the Gospel of John gets right to the heart of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. Without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. How many times have you felt you were in a dark time and scripture brought light and hope into your spirit? Maybe that day is today. I think of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Or maybe Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Romans 5.5 And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And for all of those, or us, who are sleepless, Psalm 4.8, I will lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. And again in Romans 15 of today's scripture, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Expectant hope is ours in the lifeline of the presence of Christ in the word. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer compares the darkness of Advent and facing into this darkness to a mining disaster. This is what he wrote in 1933. The moment even the most courageous miner has dreaded his whole life long is here. It's no use running into the walls. The silence all around him remains. The way out for him is blocked. He knows people up there are working feverishly to reach the miners who are buried alive. Someone will be rescued. But here, here in this last shaft, an agonizing period of waiting and dying is all that remains. But suddenly, a noise that sounds like tapping and breaking rock can be heard. Unexpectedly, voices cry out, Where are you? Help is on the way. Then the disheartened miner shouts, Here I am. Come on through and help me. I'll hold on until you come. Just come soon. This is how it is with the coming of Christ in Advent. The hope is so much more than a calendar or a Christmas carol, but the very power of God to intervene in our world and our lives. Advent is the unexpected coming of Christ to save you from death in the incarnate baby, in the Savior on the cross in Scripture, and coming from the future. To hear the tapping and the breaking rock that can be heard through the millennia as help has come, help is here, and help is coming again. Amen.